Welcome to the Learning with Lowell podcast. Tune in every Tuesday to hear world-class scientists, startup founders, CEOs, and authors, people who you wouldn't normally hear about but are making huge waves all the same. You'll understand them and their work by hearing their passion, laughter, advice, and hearing them, the experts, break down what they're working on so that you can learn, push the boundaries of your knowledge, and understanding. Three quick ways to show your support and get unique, exclusive, and fun content is by checking out learningwithlowell.com website, our Patreon page, even if it's just a buck, it keeps us advertisement free, and subscribing. Today we are joined with Nicola. She is the CEO and co-founder of Nuchito, which is a very funly named startup working on anti-aging out in the UK. In this episode, we get into anti-aging, what she's developed, why is it special than anything else out there, the rigorous testing she's gone through, and a really good sense of who she is as a person. So if you want to know and hear what it's like to be a startup founder and working on longevity, I think this is a good episode for you. Remember to check out the YouTube if you want to see the video of this and check the show notes about the video and website to be able to click around in the, with the hyperlink show notes. Just a quick editor's note that this is the last time I used Skype and didn't use a microphone, so just used the one straight from my Mac, and that's why the sound quality is not the best, but from here on, you have a microphone, and I use Zoom, which has a much better sound quality. So, thank you for being patient with me. So, you, you, you made like this, like, NAD plus cocktail. I was curious, what is in there because i looked online and there's like pills and stuff so but i was just kind of curious like what is in a cocktail and then like the two the second part of that is like do they do you like inject it in them or do they eat it i don't know that's not the technical way of doing it but yeah okay so so first of all i'm going to be like really disappointed and tell you that i can't tell you what's in the cocktail because <laughs> you know it's like patents protected kind of like uh secret recipe thing we're working on um but <laughs> It's it's a basically designed to be an oral supplement, and hmm. um, so the idea behind it is um, at the moment uh, the only sort of oral supplement you can take to try and boost your NAD is um, something called an NAD uh, precursor. So essentially, it's just uh, part of the you know the structure uh, molecular structure of something you can take that would actually get converted in the cells in the body and actually make NAD. Um, you can't actually take NAD like orally, like in a pill or something, because it's it's like a really big molecular structure. So it just wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't get through the gut. It wouldn't go to where it needs to be in the body. So so the only way you can kind of try to increase your NAD if you want to take a, you know, a pill or some sort of intervention is to, to, to take this precursor. Um, but the problem with the, the precursors is um, I kind of sort of describe the concept as, as a cell being a factory. So if you've got the, the cell, which is, you know, your factory, which is making NAD, you can imagine the precursor as being like uh, um, the raw ingredients that come into the factory. And if you just continue to, to, you know, get more trucks and trucks delivering this precursor, but you don't try to make the actual staff in the factory more efficient, or you don't try to put more machines in the, in the factory, then this precursor is just going to, you know, pile up and pile up and pile up, and it's not actually going to get converted into NAD. Um, so really, t- taking a precursor as a supplement to try and boost your NAD isn't the kind of best best way you could do it. Uh, so what we wanted to do was to design something where it not only um, sort of, you know, 
increase the, the, the delivery of raw material to the factory, but also increase the productivity of the factory or the cell. So, you know, how can you turn up the enzymes that would make NAD and look at all the pathways that are involved, look at things that actually, you know, degrade the NAD, degrade the precursor, things like that. Um, so so the, the cocktail is, is essentially designed to do that. So even if you could get through the stomach with the large molecule of NAD, plus it, it seems like what you've made would be better because then you, you're looking at like the whole like the ecology of the situation if that if i'm like reading that right like so even if you could get like the direct stuff through like you're looking at it from not even just a supply standpoint but like maximizing the workers uh health benefits and whatnot so that they're more productive so even if you could get it through because i was just thinking of ways to get it through the stomach quad um it would be even better to use your method right? yeah i mean there's there's always a problem where if you're putting a precursor into a biological system that actually what happens is the system readjusts so if you're doing it, you know, put, putting something in there and then the cell's going, oh, hang on a minute, you know, we've got alarm bells going off saying we've got loads of this precursor building up, so uh, we'll shut everything else down to, to be able to deal with it. So you kind of get these knock-on effects because, you know, nothing's linear in a cell. It's loads of complicated pathways and networks that are all talking to each other. So you can't just do one thing because... There's always consequences, or there's always other redundant effects that are, are going to, you know, happen. Mm-hmm. Is there when you when you were doing the study, did you notice if there was any like physical or mental differences in having like it boosted and rejuvenated, or or are you just looking at like the levels of it? Yeah. So so we in in those um in the initial trials that I think you've seen in the the, the uh, presentation, I, I did it undo an aging, um. They were proof of concept studies. They were in, in humans, obviously. And um, at that stage, there's no placebo controls. So you've kind of got to take everything with a pinch of salt um, because obviously these people, um, these, you know, the volunteers know they're taking something and they, they rough know what it's, you know, what the aim is of it. It's, it's kind of, you know, looking at healthy aging. So um, they all reported that they felt more energetic, which wouldn't be the least surprising thing. So, um, you know, people people that were saying, you know, normally they're, they're really bad at sleeping, um, and whilst it didn't improve the sleeping, they didn't feel rubbish like they normally do from the lack of sleep, kind of things like that. Um, but again, it's all, you know, very... You can't read much from it, but it, it is interesting that these people haven't spoke to each other yet have all come to kind of the same comments to us it reminds me of this this guy i think it was a ted talk i think maybe i watched many of those but this guy they were trying to figure out um side effects of taking because like there's a like people do studies that's not the science way of saying this but people conduct studies to see like what an effect of one drug will have on a person but they don't they usually don't see like what one drug and another drug will have on a person and so this person you google like what people were like searching in Google to figure out what the interactions were. Cause people would be like, Oh, I'm on this and I'm having this interaction. And then they would like, um, yeah. their search history. I don't know if you saw that one. It's really interesting. So I'm always curious. Like, yeah, it's, it's a similar, like everyone's kind of saying the same thing and you can kind of line it up, but yeah. is, um, so for, for people who aren't familiar, if, if we can rejuvenate NAD, what, what are like the long term benefits? Like, are we going to be, Younger, longer. Like, what do you, what, what basically do you hope to come up like developing what you're developing? 
Um, so NAD specifically um, is kind of what one of these, you know, hot topics, if you want to call it at the minute within sort of longevity research and, you know, health span promotion. Um, and the reason being is that uh, when, you, when you're born, you've got really high levels of NAD in your cell, and then basically throughout your lifetime, they, they decline exponentially. So if you were to look at it in a graph, it's just like, you know, by the time you're elderly, <laughs> whatever you wanted to find that as, uh, you you know, you've pretty much got, you know, a fraction left than what you had when you were born. Um, and um, NAD is very important, not by itself, but by because of the pathways that it activates downstream. So it results in, um, you know, actual repair of your cells. Um, and trying to keep them in good condition, repair of your DNA. It results in um, increased mitochondrial biogenesis in your cells, and obviously they um, are, are all involved in your energy, um, and mitochondrial decline is a, is a main factor in ageing. Um, so the idea is that if you can boost your NAD back up to the, the levels that you had when you were younger, you can almost switch back on all these pathways. So the pathways that promote your body to, to kind of repair itself. Because what you've got to kind of remember is that um, this is one of the things I do find most fascinating about the whole concept of aging is the kind of the disposable soma theory of aging. So the fact that the reason we kind of age is because um, all all you know, the sole reason we're on this planet is to uh, breed and essentially pass on our DNA. After we've gone past childbearing years, the soma, like the body, is, you know, it's useless. <laughs> um, and therefore, why would your body put energy into repairing it when it's no longer required? Because it can't fulfill its function of passing on the, you know, the DNA. Um, so um, it, it, it almost, you know, switches off all these genes that keep your cells in good condition when you are young, but your genes haven't disappeared, you know, they're still there and they still can be switched back on. So it's, it's looking at things that actually can switch your cells back into the state that they were when they were younger, where they do actually repair and regenerate rather than, you know, you know, let them decline basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can find therapies and things like that, then um, they'll help improve a person's health span, which is obviously the, the number of years a person can live in good health, where they're not frail, where they're not suffering disease, uh, you know, essentially live independent and fulfilled, happy lives. So that's kind of the main aim of, uh, of this type of research. Hey, but why, um, just kind of following up on this, like, why did you pick it? Like, you could, and you're a smart person, you could probably have done anything in the world. What, um, because, like, I was, I was thinking it's interesting. It, you know, we have basically infinite choices to do anything we want, especially with the internet. You can, like, relearn and, and do anything you, you really choose. Like, why did anti-aging and NAD, like, really speak to you as something that not only is interesting, but that you thought you could tackle? Well, I suppose my interest is, is primarily biology. So not, not just aging, but just biology and the body. And, you know, I've never really been one of those people where – you know, I've been like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor or I want to be an astronaut. And I've really been jealous of those types of people, but I've never knew what I wanted to do. But I just know that the type of person I am, I have to be really interested in something. If, you know, 
and then if I'm interested in it, that's it, I'll succeed in it kind of thing. Um, and I just was always fascinated when I was at school, like my biology lessons, like how cool the body is and how amazing it is and how all these things are happening all the time inside of you. And so that's how I kind of started in, in biology. Um, but then I suppose the whole aging thing um, was very, very accidental, actually. Um, so maybe it's about take take a step back of how, how we form you know, why I formed the company, that might explain it. So, um, so I, I, I did my PhD in, you know, drug discovery and, and, um, you know, how do drugs that you take the tablets go through your gut and get, get to where you want them to be in the body. So my training and my background is very much that end of, of you know, science and biology. Um, when I finished my PhD, I, you know, I said, you know I don't want to work in academia like I I kind of like want to go and work in industry I want to just I found academia quite isolating and I wanted to be in some sort of job where I could just go out and speak to people and I thought maybe going and working for a company was a bit more where you could do that so you know I went around all the the companies that I kind of knew that looked cool and interesting um and uh basically came across a, a drugs company that happened to be you know basically be right on my doorstep and they were doing this really cool approach to drug discovery um which is a whole other story um but i i basically contacted the ceo and i said you know i think what you're doing is really cool it really makes sense um and i'd love to be part of it like i know you don't have any jobs but can i meet you uh so i met up with them um you know had a good chat about everything and then um you know i said i know you don't have any jobs it's fine and he was like do you know what I like you, I'll, you know, I'll kind of find you something. And <laughs> um, there are a few things I've had on my mind that, I, you know, I might need someone to do. And um, so then he said, um, you know, come in, come into the office and I'll, I'll talk to you about it. So obviously I turned up at the, up at the office, absolutely nobody had any idea about, you know, who I was or why I was there. Um, and then I spoke to him and he said, you know, I think aging is going to be something that's going to be really big and really important and I was like okay you know it's not what I was expecting and he said you know I think I've been reading into it and there's something going on and I think it's really changing and I think the science is really moving forward and at this point I I mean I literally didn't have a clue about anything to do with aging Um, and he said you know I just want to bring you into the company to, to, to specialize on this so at this point, I mean, I, I literally spent a year like learning everything about aging. I went to every conference, I, did, I listened to everyone talk about it, and you know, kind of come up with you know what's going on in this field, and and kind of like what are the main areas of focus? Where does it seem like there's lots of good research? Where 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 you know where where's the research a bit thin? Um, and uh, and from that point, I was just absolutely hooked. I was like, "This this is what I'm going to be now." You know, to hell with <laughs> what you know. I do my PhD, and I'm going to be a biogerontologist. That is what I'm going to do. Um, because I just was like, "This this research just makes so much sense." Like the reasons behind it all. Like it's it's just fascinating. All the new stuff that's coming out. And you know, for once, I kind of thought, "This is this this is where this is where I belong." Um, so, you know, we went along doing all this research. Slight problem is, uh, you know, I was working for a, a drugs company and, um, as aging is not a disease, uh, you know, you 
can't treat it with a drug. Not yet, anyway. That's a, another big debate. <laughs> but, um, you know, so in a company who's solely focused on looking at cancer drugs, actually trying to pursue this work in any meaningful way was, was difficult. Um, and at that point was when I thought, okay, this is, you know, I don't belong in this, this area, but it's put me on the right path to where I should be. And that is using all my knowledge and how to discover, develop drugs, but actually, you know, and how, not just drugs, but how to identify molecules. Um, molecules that all kind of do what you specifically want them to do in the body. And then basically combine that with now all the sort of science I've learned about aging and then at the sort of conjunction between them, look at how can, can we benefit from the science now? Because in the drugs industry, you know, that's going to be 10 years. It's going to be 300 million to try and develop anything that's going to have any impact on people. But there's loads of these interventions and molecules that actually can have some real impact now. So let's take, you know, this combination of expertise and start a new company where that is what we're doing. We're not going after pharmaceutically regulated molecules. We're looking at things that uh, can be used now, that people can benefit now from and things that are you know for healthy aging health span so yeah so that's what i did went off and <laughs> started the <Nishido. laughs> quick question before i ask a follow-up what i don't know if this is not a quick question or not but why new cheeto like why it just keeps me it makes me think of like nachos and i don't know i know it's probably <laughs> not the intent like i don't think anti-aging not nachos is the so i'm sure there's like a yeah. funny story but i i have a follow-up if that's a long story no, no, it's quite a short story. There's a reason behind it. So Nichido, um basically is very loosely translated in Japanese to path to long life. Um, and the reason that we chose that was because the, the various areas of the world, or they're called blue zones, and they're basically um, regions where people live much longer than average. So they've got like a high proportion of centenarians. Um, and they're quite well studied because it's like, why do these people live so long? Um, in these specific areas, like what are they doing? And a famous one is Okinawa in Japan, and they have a saying which is Nishigasui, and it's like it means food is the path to long life. And obviously, we're not looking at food, so we kind of changed it a little bit. So it's like a play on words, but you know, it's quite a nice little reason behind it. That's interesting. Uh, it's uh, it's funny that it, it means like uh, the originalness of it. It has something to do with food, and I thought of nachos. So like. I was like kind of <laughs> through it. Um, is there, when you were doing your research, I'm like divided between two, like there's just so many cool things I can ask you. Um, but from, so you did the one year of research and then, and then I think next year you like, you're coming out. Like, it's like, you'll have like a finished product. Am I, am I correct? I'm, the question is like how, how much time has elapsed? But if, if next year, cause I think I was reading on your side that 2019, you're going to have something. So I'm just curious, like yeah. how much, how much development has this taken? Where like I think most people are used to like something taking like five to ten years. Yeah. So so um, the so far the company's been running for eighteen months, and we expect to have products, you know, early next year. So that's going to be it's going to be like two years in total. But um, you know that that was our prime aim to get something to market that people can actually use now, um, because I. I, you know, I come from a world where, you know, 10 years and 300 million pounds is, you know, 
the norm and it's totally normal and and that's what I wanted to you know move away from so like what things are there that actually are you know can be get through safety and regulation and all sorts of stuff like that fast and then also the other side is that the the expertise that we've got in in actual molecular discovery and we've got like a highly efficient way to do that so where, you know, most um, companies that are looking for molecules all sit and screen through thousands and thousands of, of molecules and only get a, a handful that work, we've got a much more efficient process of doing that, which massively cuts down the time it takes. And also, actually, we find a lot of cool things that work. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Is that like your superpower? Is that the thing that you brought in? The, like, fast uh, drug discovery mechanism structure or like what because like I, i'm listening to you and i think this is one of the questions we wanted to talk about like what is your superpowers so i'm just curious like how did i guess i'm kind of guessing like maybe that's something that you brought to the table since because your background but i could be wrong so like well, yeah it's actually that side of it is a lot more um the so i co-founded the cheeto uh with someone else and um that is that's his superpower and <laughs> um, he's he is the you know the bioinformatician of it all and that's very much his bag but I think what I think what's unique about the company is that we bring together skills that perhaps aren't usually brought together so we've gone from an area of how do you do really efficient drug discovery and now we've put that into aging research and yeah, there are other companies that are, you know, are looking for drugs in, in, in aging now, only few, but um, a possible failure that some of them might have, not all of them, um, but some of them might have is that they're just going about, you know, drug discovery, the conventional approach that all big pharma do where, you know, they go, oh, this gene's important in aging, let's knock it out. <laughs> it's never ever going to work because aging is so complex and so you know it's such a really difficult thing to crack that you, you can't do the sort of silver magic bullet approach it has to be a lot more complex and that's where we sort of have the maybe the superpower <laughs> um but yeah so i don't know not my superpower <laughs> i think my, my superpower is probably more bringing people together bringing the right groups of people together um, that maybe wouldn't normally. Yeah, that's true power. That's uh, I think there's a guy in the early 1900s where his he he got paid like a million dollars when everyone else was getting paid like sixteen dollars a year uh, a week. So like he's making much more than the average Joe. And I don't know what the female version of Joe is, but uh, Joanna. I don't know. But um, are the are the ladies? And so. Uh, his only job was just like work with people and figure out how to do them effect, like uh, manage them effectively. So that is that is superpower. I, it's it's one that I, it's interesting to see in a scientist that had like many years of PhD work because I I noticed that sometimes like they get like really narrow and like sometimes like the interpersonal connections is something that kind of goes down. So I'm curious like how did you how did you like keep that skill up and then how did you develop it over those years where like you were like focusing down on other things if that makes sense? Like how did you develop such a superpower? I think, if I'm honest with you, it's just me. It's just my, personal, my personality. It's just the way I, I, I am, the way I've always been. And I think maybe that's why I didn't stay, you know, after I'd done my PhD in academia, because it didn't suit me as a person. And maybe I just didn't fit in to that 
lab environment, you know, where it is quite narrow and isolating. And um, yeah, I think I, my, probably one of my skills, if you want to call it a skill, is that I kind of just have the ability to get on with pretty much everyone. Um, and I don't know, that seems to get me quite far <laughs> in life. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. There's very, very few people that I couldn't sit in a room with and find something to talk about or, you know, have a, have a, a nice interaction rather than an awkward, <laughs> awkward silence, you know? Um, so yeah, so maybe some, yeah, back to kind of job stuff. So I always said if there was an ideal job for me, it would. I never knew what it would be, but I said it would be kind of on the interface between actually, you know, doing the science and then like going out and explaining the science to people in a way. So not like not exactly a teacher, but like you know, actually just you know at that interface where you're explaining it to people that are maybe a lay person that doesn't really understand what you do. And I think in a way that's kind of what I'm doing now because, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people, for example, just, you know, investors and, you know, people in different fields, which, you know, they really haven't got a clue about aging or anything to do with it. And I, I really enjoy like telling them all about it and telling them why it's important. And hopefully I always convince them by the end that it's, you know, it's the way forward. So maybe I am doing that now, but just, you know, in a, in a kind of CEO role, <laughs> not the lab bench. That makes sense. The, um, it's a good skill to have because then, I mean, and you, you got to see that you're doing a good job. I don't know. Like whenever, whenever, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people like are not, like especially scientists, like they don't like talking about themselves. But I just think, like, it, clearly you're doing a good job. If like you have something coming out next year, and you, you, uh, I don't know. I'm assuming you have enough money to get you there. But so like you must have convinced them uh, to believe in you. Is so uh, before this conversation, just to touch back on, on one of the things that I, w- I was gonna ask uh, before we moved on. Um, that's my bad for asking about the the company name. But the, um, so I was looking online, and there's like a bunch of like oral supplements already out there. Is w- will your Will yours be like the first one that's been like really tested and made sure to be um, the best? If in that, if that makes sense, or are all the other ones? Because like sometimes when I see supplements online, I don't know the efficacy of them. Like, how do you tell? Because like especially in the United States, like it's not a regulated market. At least I don't believe so. I don't think it's regulated to the extent of like drugs are. So it, you know, it's inter- it's interesting to see you doing like that research. Where in the United States, like I don't people just be like nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so I'm curious, like uh, how does what compared to everything out there, like is it yeah like what's the comparison like yeah so i mean you know it is really is the wild west um you know the sort of supplement nutraceutical markets even like skincare markets you know um in terms of like what's out there and actual you know what actual proof is there that it does what it it says it does i mean there's few and far things that you know, have some good science behind them and actually have been proven. Um, so we, you know, we we are really used to the world coming from drug development where the hoops you had to jump through to prove that it worked and how it worked and, you know, you've tested it every single way. When we started in, in this, this area, we were quite shocked at like, you know, wow, <laughs> you really don't have to do anything to put something on the market. But, you know, you know, we could just, put it on the market now but the sort of ethos of our company is that it's all science-based you know 
our reputations are putting it on the line, you know, it's science-based, it's going to have good studies um, and, you know, actual proof. Then you've got the slight problem where it's like, okay, um, you, you know, you might have the, the best research in the world, but the one regulation that you kind of have to be careful of is actually then what you claim about that product. So, you know, it's not like we're then going to be claiming, oh, you know, take our supplements and you'll live forever or I'll stop you aging. Or So then it makes it hard. Actually, how do you get it? Do, how do you get the fact across to the consumer that actually this does have science behind it if actually you can't show them the graphs? So it, it is a challenge. So it's, you know, it's one of the things we found difficult is like, you know, we could bring out something that's amazing and actually works and it's proven and people and good science and good stats and but then you know you can't put it on the bottle <laughs> uh limited to what you can say on the website there's only certain claims you can make so yeah it's going to be a challenge to cut to cut through it all the sort of chaff that's kind of out there <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't know if like you know my grandmother would go into the the market I don't know why I imagine. I don't know. Something funny about just imagine an old lady going to a store. I don't know. They do it every day, but um, I never imagined my gr- my grandma doing anything other than calling me. So I'm sure she exists outside of my phone. But the um, like I don't think she would look at the labels. <laughs> she would just be like, oh, this you know this looks right. I heard my doctor says I should get these things. So have you? I don't know. This is kind of a question that I, I've been. I recently learned that there's uh, UX design. I don't know. Learn, but like learn more about how to like give users, or in this case, people who would use what you're making. Like a like a like a bottle of it, and like have them like walk through what they're experiencing. Like, do you do you guys do that? And or like, what is the equivalent of that? I I suppose I see like the problem. I'm curious, like how you're addressing it. I suppose it's like. What do you mean? Do we get just give it to people to try and then? In the sense, your concern is that 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 like you have like you've done like all this you've done it right, and then now it's a matter of communicating it, and that's something that you really like to do that you always wanted to interplay with with uh, any role you had. And so I'm curious, like, how have you, like, it, either in your in your research that you've already done or in, like, testing where you, like, make the labels and, like, talk to people, not, like, actually give them it, like, in, like have them take it, but, like, have them experience the bottle, if that makes sense, and then see how they interpret it to make sure that it goes through how you want it, if that makes sense. Like, so, like, so, like, do you have an issue over here that's about a communication? So I'm curious, like, like, how have you tried to address it or, like, how, what are your thoughts on addressing that, I suppose? Yeah, so I suppose it's kind of like, you know, real focus groups of people and actually talking to real people who are actually going to, you know, be the, the target market or, you know, the people that will benefit from it. And I think, like, wh- when you are in this kind of um, science bubble, it's you've really got to remember, like, you're immersed in it every day. Um, when I mean you, I mean me. <laughs> I'm immersed in this every day, and to me, it's totally normal. And you know, the idea of one day that we'll take a pill that will slow down aging is like totally given. And you know, but then you go and like tell that to anybody, and they they just look at you like you're crazy um, because they just it's just not in the public eye yet. So so that's one thing that we're gonna. I think not only like you know designing things right and making sure people. Can, can use them in the way they intended or whatever, I think actually it's going to take a kind of a, a movement, like a shift in social uh, belief and social acceptance of actually, you know, we have this major problem in developed countries that we've got an aging population and 
And, you know, people go, well, oh, you know, grow old gracefully. <laughs> but I'm sorry, there's nothing graceful about growing old, you know? I just need to look at my grandma who was, you know, stuck in a hospital bed and, you know, no dignity and getting spoon-fed. And there's nothing graceful about growing old. But unfortunately, you know, because there's never been an alternative and there's nothing you can do about it, or at least that's the public perception, then it's nicer to think, oh, let's grow gracefully, you know. Um, but I think a lot of education now needs to be done in actually, no, there really are things that can be done. And, you know, if you're proactive about it, um, you can slow down the, the rate that you, when, you, when you're going to become frail and, you know, live for longer. So I think before, like any products or anything I mean that's going to be a real challenge um trying to change society's sort of belief of this you know cycle we have where we you know we're born we we age then we we marry or whatever and have kids and then and then retire and expire (laughs) like if you want a better word um because that's that's, you know, the science that's coming through has massive potential to change that sort of life trajectory. Um, so until people can comprehend that and accept it, then I'm not sure if people will kind of be on the wagon to, you know, Makes do sense. something. Yeah, the, um, I feel like, I don't know, I don't I, I, I assume you're probably going to be targeting the EU market, but since I'm in the United States, I'm thinking like, oh, where would, like, because I, I do uh, marketing in my that's how I pay the bills, and so mm-hmm. I, I like I enjoy like finding beachhead markets, and so I feel like Silicon Valley would love you because they're always about like trying to like extend their life like fruit diets <laughs> yeah. or like you know I feel like they would be like those early adapters that would just go crazy, especially because there's like there's research behind it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Are, are you able to like send it to the United States? I, then again, like nothing would stop you. The United States, like you said, like well, we, we are the yeah. Wild West. It, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, we're very aware of what everything that's going on over there. In fact, I was over there not last week, but the week before. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, I think actually probably some of the first people or the early adopters that would be interested in some of our stuff are like the biohacker type people who you know are trying to optimize their body. Um, so rather than you know doing it for you know age. Um, that you know, it's just body optimization and being at your peak self. Um, that they would be a group of people that would be very interested. Mm-hmm. So, um, I suppose taking a step back, is there because this is like a really complex issue. This is one of the ones I wanted to follow up on you with. But the because recently talking to someone who, like, they talked about we, we were discussing like the gut biome and like how like the like it has a relation to aging and stuff like it's just like who would, who would think of these things so other than aging as a complex structure is there anything else in the world that you're you're just like wow that's really complex and and uh, maybe this is like a free time question like that you go into uh, or like very passionate about um i mean i i'm my sort of inner geek is very much like space and stars and stuff <laughs> and like you know I, I haven't really done much physics or anything but I, I do find it really interesting and like watch loads of programs on it and yeah, that stuff like that just blows my mind and yeah. Have you have you seen the Cosmo series, the the old one and the new one? I see yeah, bits of 
but yeah, just like watching it on YouTube and. <laughs> Well, uh, is there for I'm a space fan as well, and and so I'm just kind of like mining you for recommendations. What what are some of the ones that you like, or like when you do go to read about this complex thing, like how do you? What are some of the ones that you found that are really good? Um, do you know what? Mostly just like it's stuff that pops up on like you know like the Discovery Channel and things like that that I end up watching. I couldn't like name what they are, but um, yeah, just just generally stuff like that. Um, yeah. Not not the History Channel, not Ancient Aliens. Not, not really. I mean, I, 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 again, I'm one of those people where I'm like, there's definitely something else out there. Like, you know, you know, being a scientist and knowing how complex just our body is, like, it's you know, the, the possibilities are endless. Who knows? And I think that's why I watch a lot, you know, a lot of stuff on space, and and, and it just blows my mind like I have sometimes I just have to turn it off because I'm like oh god like, I can't deal with it it's just so complicated and so like yeah <laughs> I was watching a Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, interview I think with Stephen Colbert and he like Stephen asked him what is something that like really like rocks your mind and he was saying and I, I don't know if I'm going to articulate this correctly so I, I hope I will but he was saying that so, like, the the universe is expanding, right? So that the, the universe that we're able to see is different than the universe we would have been able to see, like, five billion years ago. And so, like, five billion years from now, like, at a point in our future, people won't, won't be able to see, like, other galaxies. And so he's, like, like, basically saying, like, there's probably stuff that has existed that we'll never be able to see because we exist now versus then. And then in the future, the same thing's going to happen. And that's, like, it's so trippy. It's, like... It yeah. just keeps going. That, that's the type of stuff where I'm like, you know, I really start thinking about it and then I have to switch it off. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. So, I see like the, I see the world is kind of like a funnel, like a, like an hourglass where like it goes, like it's really, really big. And then it gets to like humans where like we're normal seeing like, oh, a lunchbox or what have you. And then you get yeah. like microscopic or down to the, the atom level and it gets giant again as well. Like everything's like really spaced out. I think, I think we're like, nine tenths space like in between ourselves like we're like which is weird because like we have, we're structures and yet like the majority of us is like space and then the majority of us is bacteria so it's like yet i have a hand i don't know it's like weird stuff like <laughs> biology is crazy and then but the universe is crazy um yeah do you did you um when you were tra- i don't know going back to what you're working on but when you were transitioning into being a, a ceo and a founder were, were you concerned at all were you like were you completely like i'm great this is gonna work out were you ever like oh god I don't know if I can do this. Like, I... yeah, it it was it was quite a surreal experience. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of one of those people where I always look back at things and go, "How on earth did I end up in this situation?" Or like, "How has this happened?" I always seem to get myself into things and talk my way into stuff. And yeah, I wasn't. I, if anyone had told me, you know, a couple of years ago that this is what I'd be doing now like I absolutely wouldn't have imagined it um and I, I did find it I mean I don't think I found it difficult but I, I, well, I think it was more just um how would you put it not the feeling of being out of my depth like whenever I was doing anything I felt okay and you know any meetings and everything and in some really cool stuff as well that I've had the opportunity to do. Um, but it was kind of afterwards when I was thinking, 
I was really out my depth in that meeting <laughs> and somehow I blagged my way through. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I've learned so much. I mean, I've gone from being a lab scientist to, you know, a CEO of a company and all of the business side. I mean, I have no business training still to this date. I don't. Um, somehow, you know, I've got through it and part of the, you know, the reason is because, um, my co-founder, He's kind of done a startup before and built a company up before. So I've been so lucky that I've had him to kind of mentor me through it, um, you know, and really guide me. Um, you know, so I think in that respect, it's, it's made it easier. And I, I don't know what I'd have done if it was just me. Um, I'm sure I would have been fine. <laughs> but yeah, just just continually learning. Every day, I just learn something new about how to run a business and you know, what's required and yeah. I think the most difficult bit has been sort of time management. So I guess we, for the last like, I don't know, like 40 minutes we've been talking about like kind of how, how great you are. I'm kind of curious, like, is there anything you're like really bad at that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't mind sharing? I don't know, like I'm a, I'm bad at swimming. <laughs> I can swim pretty well. <laughs> um, I'm really bad at maths. <laughs> Math? I like maths. Yeah. I would think science and math are like, like brothers, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they are. I mean, the, luckily, the bit of math that I am okay at is statistics, <laughs> um, which is, is helpful, but just, um, yeah, other types of math. I don't know, I just don't get it. <laughs> never, never enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, yeah, not, not great at that. <laughs> There you go. There's something for people listening. You're like this person. Like I think sometimes when people hear or read about someone, they see them as where you are now, like a year from they're having something that's deliverable, and they yeah. like they don't see that it was years of work. They just think, "Oh, that person's like that. I can't do that mm-hmm. now. I won't ever be able to do that." But there's like there's a path between me and you where I, I don't know if I, if I worked really really hard, maybe I could do the same things as you. I, I wouldn't have the same interest, so I'd probably fail in the long run. So I think it's it's interesting to hear what people are bad at as well as what they're good at to, to show yeah. like it's a continuum thing. Like you didn't like wake up like you said, you didn't wake up one day and had all the business knowledge. Like even like after yeah. the fact, you're just like, you know what? How did that work out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean in terms of um business and, and you know what I struggle with, um I mean like focus focus on things and really like concentrate on what's the most important part I think that is something I'm like really working on and that I have really found hard to change and adapt to because kind of I think you kind of alluded to it before like when you were when you're a scientist your area of expertise is usually so narrow um that you you really focus intensely on that point um so I've kind of gone from you know do my PhD which was a very narrow intense focus and then it has broadened out when I went into you know drug development and then broadened out further when I went into to aging um but now you know running a business as well as being a scientist like I have to wear so many hats like you know like one day I'm a scientist the next day um you know in a meeting about an investment or the next day I'm sorting patent stuff out or you know then you know mundane stuff like you know, paying, you know, office rates and stuff. And it's like, it's jumping from, from you know, being those things. And, and I think that's kind of one thing I find 
quite difficult just to to manage that properly and to, to be able to, to wear all those hats successfully. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's probably what I've improved on the most uh, over the last 18 months. Have you... I don't do this myself. I, I've been told that it's good to do, but the meditation to help on focusing and like, have you ever tried that? I, I don't know. Is it- no, I, I actually haven't. I, I haven't. But do you know what? This is something I've considered just because, you know, even just in terms of your health, it's really good. Um, but it's, I haven't actually, I haven't actually done it. Yeah. I hear there's like, there's like a good book uh, by Victor E. Franco called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, he talks about how it's basically like a psychiatrist who went through Auschwitz and he's, he noted that like whenever there's like, when I say something, right. If I like, you suck, like you have, I wouldn't say that, but you know, you have like a, there's like a moment before you respond and in that moment you decide who you are. And, right. and apparently meditation helps you see those moments more. And so like, I see the right. benefit of that. Cause then, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh, someone irritated me. Did they, you know, like who cares? Like move on. I don't know. But um, yeah. yeah, if you experiment with it, let me know. Because then I can see if it works. <laughs> like I'm trying to find guinea pigs, but there's some like apps. My doctor's trying to get me to do it, but um, it's like Brain Space, Brain Space. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah there you go. You, you know about it. I was gonna. Yeah. Write, okay. Yeah. So when when you when you are overwhelmed or you know, also I, I don't know if you ever watched this TV show Billions, but there was like a, a lady, a person on there who like would stare at a candle to fo- to help on their focus, like not think about anything else, which is like. I feel like it's just a, a type of meditation, like like centering your mind. But I don't know, if you ever want to like, uh, if you're like on a train or something, you can just like stare at a candle or like something random and focus on that. Um, yeah, it's like a muscle. I don't know, I'm just like trying to guinea pig you, see, see if you'll try a bunch of stuff and I can see what works. But so when you when you do feel unfocused or, you know, overwhelmed, is have you found any like effective ways to get through it other than, you know, just like walking through it? For me, I'm... I'm like quite a visual person and if ever I'm kind of like a bit lost or like, you know, I'm struggling to deal with the amount of things or like to focus on what's important or just to, just as a general plan of what I need to do or anything, um, I always draw it out. So, you know, I get a notepad out and I kind of like draw part of it, like, you know, what, like really think like, right, what is important? what am I trying to do here <laughs> and then you know like work back from that and, and kind of be like right well this is the steps I need to take and then yeah like kind of like a, a bit of a flow diagram like I find that just so useful it just sorts it out in the head and I'm able to see actually you know these are the important parts whilst you know I've been spending all my time or focus on this and actually really that's not important um and yeah I, I think just to get it you know, get all your thoughts out on paper and kind of, I always feel like it gets it out of my head. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's like I took, took a bit of my brain out and just put it down on the, the paper for a while to give it a rest. Um, but I find that, is, for me, is a good strategy. Is it, isn't that called kinesthesia, where, like, you enjoy writing things out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm if I, for me, if I've got to remember something, I write it out. Mm-hmm. Like, if I've wrote it out, I remember it. <laughs> So I love lists. Everyone laughs at me for my lists. I've always got a list. And they're like, you spend more time writing lists. I'm like, no, but they really help me. <laughs> and I remember stuff if I wrote it out. So, so yeah, I'm definitely well, one of those people. You're in good company. Leonardo da Vinci, he would make lists. Like, he would, like, right. notice things in his environment. Like, he'd make lists, then he'd, like, notice things. And he'd, like, w- write, um, 
He'd be like, "What? Like, try to learn why a, a beak makes a snapping noise when it tries grabbing a fish." And like, he would like go yeah. and, like make little treaties on it. I don't know if you go that far to it, but there's also yeah. a, a good book called The Checklist Manifesto. I don't know if you've read it, but I feel like it'd be like right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like sounds it's, like a good day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I guess I'm deciding where to go next, but the, um, as a, that's what I think this is one of the big topics we wanted to talk about is that sometimes being like if there was a lady named, um, I suck at names, uh, I, I can picture her face. She has she has nice, kind eyes. Uh, jeez, Molly, Molly Morse. There you go. She, she has like a superhero name, Molly Morse. Uh, I mean, just just saying. But I don't know if you ever like noticed the nomenclature for names. It was in the Big Bang Theory episode. I'm not smart. They pointed it out, but the, she talks about how when she would go to like on her business card, she doesn't even have doctor on it because yeah. people are kind of like negative about that. Have you noticed anything like that as being a scientist as you talk to, unless you have just like the best VCs in the world that don't have things like that. But have you noticed like you've had to make sacrifices like that to be an effective CEO talking to these business people? No, I don't. I don't think I've made any. I haven't like changed anything. I mean, I still I have doctor on my business cards, and I haven't tried to change myself in any way from it for it. But I can understand why people do it. Um, and I think you know, especially being a a, a woman in a a very male dominant world of science and you know business, really. I mean. It's not that many uh, female, you know, startup founders. It's predominantly men, um, and I don't know. I, I, I think maybe that I'm quite used to to kind of being the the outsider a bit, um, coming from a science background because that is a very male dominant profession. Not as much as it used to be, but it definitely still is. Um, and, um, you, you know, you do notice it and you, you do still get remarks. And, you know, I, a funny one, um, was, uh, you know, when I turned up for a meeting and, um, and, and the, brought a co-founder with me who's male. And, uh, the remark was, Oh, I see you brought your boss. <laughs> it's like, well, no, I'm the boss. <laughs> and it was like, you know, just that. Why would you say that? <laughs> and, but it does happen. So, yeah. yeah. I, would, I imagine they like they knew who was coming. Like the you have a female name, right? Like how? Well, would they, I yeah. think it was more. You know, there were there was two of us coming. One was a male and one was a female. They yeah. didn't know which one was the boss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of like assumes it wouldn't be me being female and younger. Um, so. Yeah, I think there are just stereotypes. Yeah, I was talking to a few, a few of my female and, and male friends that are in the BC world and, and in the startup world, and they were, it, yeah, it's I, I I think it's I don't know how to say this without like maybe getting trouble, but like it does seem like there's like some frustrations that you guys go through. Like one person was, one person like was in a similar situation as you, like going into these meeting into a meeting like this, and it was a guy and a girl, and she's you know she's the boss. And they asked if they were dating, you know, like, it's like, who cares? They're not there to talk about that. Like, go to a bar and talk about that. You know, it's like, it's an irrelevant detail. Like, I I think it's weird when, like, a person looks at another human being and they think, like, they're there to do business and they think about, like, why does it matter? You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, like stuff like that. Like, oh, while you're dating, well, you should put that down somewhere. It's like, how does that have anything to do with our business? Really? I feel like if I was on someone's website and the co-founders, like the founders of the, the team were like, we are not dating. I would just be, I would just be like, why are they feel the need to put that down? No one cares. I mean, I don't care, but yeah, they like, it's just surprising. Like, right. Like I would not treat a lady that way, but then I know like, I know there's people out there who just, I think that. I see it as like a, a positive thing, and this is like me just trying to make a positive and negative situation. But like, I, I, I'm pretty sure that guy did not get her business. Like they didn't, you know. It's like that guy will be made poor by not having that association with a, a, a strong team. And so like that's the only positive I can take. But it's still really, really crappy. And I just another I don't know anecdote. Maybe we can I don't know, we can talk about this. But the like there was a, a meeting that someone had where like after the meeting, the people. Like the VC people, instead of talking about their technology, were talking about that like they were like arguing about the attractiveness of the people. And it's like, mm. why? Why do you even have your job? Like, why are you listening to these people and trying to like find good companies to support if the first thing yeah. that they leave is like you care what they look like? Like, does it yeah. matter? Just like, is it like a maybe it's like a beauty thing? It was not like they made a beauty product, and then it's like, oh, maybe they were using it. I don't know. There's like no logic for it. It's just craziness. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, um, uh, not that I'm trying to, like, defend people who are, who do these sorts of things, but I think it's, like, like it's actually, you know, ingrained in the way that, that they've just been brought up and, uh, you know, what they're used to and because, you know, um, just the, the society around them. And, you know, sometimes I really just don't think they realize, like, how offensive they're being or that they're asking something that, you know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but there's a lot of things I get asked, and I do think you would never have asked a male that. Like, if I was a male sitting in this seat, and, it, you know, you're, you're interviewing me or whatever, you would not have asked that to, to, to a male. And it tends to be a lot about, um, like, parenting and stuff like that. You know, like, family stuff and parenting and, and things and and I, and I just, you just know it wouldn't get asked to a man. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, so it's not good. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. And we had, um, two, you know, we had two examples there, like, you know, um, the implication that you're not the boss and then um, yeah. asking if they're dating. Like, it's like, I, I don't know, it's like a weird thing. I, which I, I, the only, like, I try to take a positive of every situation. It's like the only positive is, like, hopefully that person made less money and then they would get fired. But, you know, uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seems like women are really like I enjoy interviewing female founders because it seems like you guys are like real not to like overgeneralize, but like there's like a real sense of like go getterness I've noted where yeah. it's like it's like isn't so, it? Yeah, someone it was. Is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I. 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 I mean, I'm like I always say to like you know I'm always got the door open to anyone you know male or female, but I mean predominantly female that wants any advice of like you know how to go out and just do whatever you want to do because I just, I see it, you know, I've seen it so many times where I think, you know, someone has so much potential, but they kind of get ground down by, you know, discrimination and, you know, they they just won't speak up or, you know, they believe what people tell them or they conform to what they're expected to be. And, yeah, and I think I've kind of, like, gone through my career and I've had a lot of that. But the type of person I am, you know, I've, I've kind of rebelled against it, you know, and I've actually been like, 
you know, no, I'm like determined to do this and, you know, I'm optimistic and you can't grind me down. You know, just, just, just things like, I mean, I, I had my, my daughter um, when I was 22. So that was, you know, right when I was doing my master's study. And I was actively discouraged from doing a PhD because of, you know, my personal circumstances, i.e., oh, you've got a child, <laughs> you know, you can't do a PhD with a child. So I was very much like, well, just watch me. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of women would have been like, oh, no, you're right. Like, I can't do that. And, you know, makes feel guilty that, you know, they they were at work or, you know, studying or whatever when they should be at home or, or whatever is expected. Um, so, you know, I think I'm, I'm probably an exception. I, I, I haven't met many people that have done, you know, a PhD with a child. Um, so I, I, I do want to kind of use my story and be like, actually, you can do it. Like, there's nothing stopping you. Um, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> and I can't say it's been easy, <laughs> you know, but, um, but, you know, it's not, it's not, you don't have to choose. You know, one of the. It's um, the the thing I think about, like uh, the parallel I draw out of my life is like several years ago I kept almost dying and I didn't think I'd get through that, and or get in a, in a like I lost like fifty pounds. I don't know, a neat thing, but I never thought these things would happen. But it's like the harder the thing is, it's like really enjoyable when you get through it. It's like when you like when everyone says like no you can't no you can't when you finally can. Oh, it's like the it's like a supremely enjoyable thing. Like everyone said, no, you can't. It's like I'd send a business card to every single one of them with doctor on it. You know, it's like uh, it's like there's a there's a great book called One Many Some. I don't. Know, I say it enough. I should really look this up. But it's like a, an Italian book, and it's basically everyone sees a different version of you. Like so, I get to see you today, and I get like a sliver of who you are. And then mm-hmm. even even ourselves, like it takes a lot of work to really see everything that we are. And so whenever someone gives you advice, they're only seeing that little slice of you. And so that's more often than not, like I ask myself, and I think maybe this is a good strategy for people who are listening. When people give you advice, what are they seeing? You know, like people said, oh, well, you should get, uh, you should become a doctor because I'm good at science and I I don't mind blood. And it's like, oh, you can, you can see like the narrow part of me that made them feel like I, like, I guess that you, you, they imagine doctors as uh, uh, bloodstained people who use math all the time. (laughs) So it's like, what? Who are they saying, you know, and at the same time, like, I bet, I don't know, I'm kind of speaking for you, but I, I imagine you were, like, really, like, satisfied when you got through, like, your PhD and, like, you could say, like, yeah, I was right. I could do this. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, definitely a moment that I was extremely proud of because it was not easy and I had loads of hurdles throughout it, but it was kind of like, I'm not, no, I'm not giving up and I can do it and you know, and as well, I just think, I don't know, just, you know, I'm relatively young and, you know, a woman and, and I, I still kind of get a little bit of a kick out of when, you know, someone that doesn't know me goes, oh, what, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a scientist. And then you can always see them go, oh, <laughs> like, and I'm like, is that so, why is it such a surprise? You know, and I think this is the reason why they're struggling to get, you know, young girls in the science because like you know they've got this idea of what a, a scientist should look like and then you know and then when it's like oh right well what do you do and then it's like well i've actually got my own company and then they're like oh <laughs> and then i go 
and then they ask me something else and go, oh yeah, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got a daughter. And they're like, oh really? Like, yeah. Just and it's mind. like, they look shocked. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, uh, yeah. And it is, and I think it is just because, you know, people just have this vision of like what a scientist should look like, what the founder of a company should look like, what a parent should look like. And it, it is just like a social thing, really. Um, yeah, so there's this. I don't know. Um, I, I'm assuming you guys get different commercials than over in the United States, but there's this commercial. I don't think it was about women. I don't think it was intended to be that way. But it was like this little girl, and she kept trying to like build something with a hammer or like help out. And every time the dad would come by, he'd like give that to your brother, and it's like, mm-hmm. let her play with the hammer. You know, like it's like <laughs> when these people are saying like, you know, who's the boss, or are you guys dating, or like talking about. You know the attractiveness, basically qualities that don't matter. I just think like, if if it was your daughter, you know, like if I have a daughter, like I'd want them to be able, you know, have the same treated like I would be. And so like, yeah. But in this this commercial, it's like really sad. Like the guy would just kept kept taking like took the hammer from from the 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 daughter and gave it to the guy. It's like, you know, what future does that give her where she yeah. can't like actualize what she wants? And so that's I think that's one of the big things, especially when you when you hear. When you, re- I think there's a study that came out that like female founders only like maybe like ten percent, and mm-hmm. they get like five percent of funding, but then they do like sixty percent of the results. It's like the num, I don't know, the numbers in itself, like it, it's it's very encouraging, I think. Yeah, I mean, I recently applied for a grant for something, and like I was looking at the this the figures, and it, it was like the the proportion of women that apply for grants is just like so much lower than the male. And, you know, so it shows that it's not only that um, the problem isn't just that they're not getting the money. The problem is they're not going after it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's almost like the, com- the confidence isn't there. And I think that is a problem as well, you know, amongst amongst women, just having that confidence to to actually go into, you know, a world where you don't belong or <laughs> society perceives you not to belong. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean... I personally, you know, I, I love to just to be able to do anything that's, you know, kind of helping or inspiring or promoting women in science or just in just in general. <laughs> but, ah, I guess to like summarize. I as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing that I, you like kind of hit on the, the like you, you like you made a good transition for me. The the. Like we're we're both human, right? Like we have like this thing in between our brain, into our, in between our ears called the brain, and it's like the greatest thing that's ever really been created. Like I don't know, that's kind of like, like a human centric thing, but we can we can make nuclear warheads, we can make penicillin and save lives, we can you know bring back species from extinction. You know, it's like how how does a gender stop someone from being that effective? You know, like I don't know, it's um I think that's I always like see people as brains, like it was just kind of a funny thought. Like if you, if you think about it, like we're just like. <laughs> We're just brains and like everything. Yeah. Like all this is just us trying to like interact with the world. You know, like that's all okay. like I don't know. But for for people who are, <laughs> yeah, for people who are like standing at the foot of, of mountains like that, like seeing that type of opposition or feeling like oh, this is a journey of a thousand miles, and they don't know how, they don't feel like they confidence in taking that first step. Is there anything with the mentorship or the advocacy that you you do that you would recommend people think about? to like overcome that lock in their brain that they, they don't necessarily even notice? Like, is there a way 
I suppose, is there a way to, like, get around that thing you found? Yeah, so I think, personally, the best thing that you can do is to surround yourself by people who, like, kind of do what you want to do. So, because if you, if you like, surround, I don't know, if you, if you, I don't know, you want to found a company, right? Uh, but you don't know where to start and you, like, can't, you know, don't have any confidence about doing it or anything like that. Like, I think if you, you know, joined a, a group of, like, you know, maybe people that got together once a month for, like, a networking thing about business or anything. And I think if you just, like, meet people that are doing what you want to do and then you see them and I think, like, in your brain and it's like, okay, there's a lot of people doing this and they can do it and, you know, you can talk to them and think, right, is this what I'd imagined it would be like if I do it? And then if it is and it's like, okay, so they're doing it, it sounds exactly like like what I want to be doing and it just kind of gives you that belief and that sort of visualization in your, in your, your brain that actually you know I can do this and have the confidence to do it and I think if you always surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do or, or, or if you want to get better at something they are good at whatever you want to get better at you're always going to you know reach to be like them so that's going to like help you succeed uh, rather than, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are telling you that you're crazy and, you know, that's a stupid idea. And, yeah, so I think, you know, I don't know, there's some, I can't remember the stats or whatever, but it's, you know, some fact about, like, you are the people that you surround yourself with. It's like you're the average of the five people you interact with the most? That's the one. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Um, my girlfriend's a good writer and I'm not, so, like, her average kind of boosts me up in that in that regard. She, that's what she gets for writing thirteen novels. But um, and another like another like adding on to your point, like I was I was in the Bay Area and I went to like a white Com- like there's a bunch of white combinator, like a bunch of startup people. But like I think most people know white combinator is like a, a good place. Like any startup there would be doing very well. And I went to a party with them and I looked around and I was just like, these people are like me. Like it'll show you that there's not like there's not like this special like what is it uh like you know in ancient times like the divine right they don't have like the divine right that gives them the crown right yeah. they seize it yeah. like in the knight's tale and he made himself a knight but <laughs> i don't know that's a, transitions but um you know it's like they're not really all that different like the smartest people in the world are just like you but the only difference is like they've like put themselves in the position to fail and i think like taking like doing the average like pushing yourself out there like you'll realize that they're like you and the only difference is they're doing things like they're taking that step yeah, and I, yeah I think it's very encouraging i know like when i saw that i was like I can build my own startup. I, you know, like I can do it now. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. that's exactly, that's like, that's like it hit the nail on the head about what I've just said. You know, it's like, actually, I, you know, they're like me. I can do this. It's not impossible. Yeah. The, um, all right. So I think, I think we have like time for like two more questions. So the um, uh, first is, so after next year, after 2019, you're going to have something out there. Or Do you have plans to develop anything else? Are you, like, are you going to, like, do, I don't know, I guess that's, like, the simplest question to ask. Like, is there yeah. any plans after that? Yes, absolutely. So, although, like, we spoke a lot about NAD at the start, so that's just, like, you know, one tiny little bit. As I've kind of mentioned, like, aging is, like, a huge, big, complex mess almost. And if you want to have any real impact on it, you, you have have to do multiple interventions you have to act on multiple levels so like NAD is just a tiny bit of the puzzle and um, so in the background you know we're working on um, a lot of other pathways and interventions uh, one of the things that 
is actually fairly well developed at the moment is um, looking at um, senolysis molecules. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So the idea that we have these senescent cells in your body, yeah. Um, and these are cells that they, they used to think they were just sitting there dormant, not really causing many problems, but actually um, they're not. They're, they're very problematic. They're like a rotten apple. When one goes bad, it spews out a load of inflammatory factors, and then the other cells around it become senescent. And you know, and it causes a real problem as we age, as we accumulate these senescent cells. Um, and lots of studies have shown that if you can successfully remove these cells, that you know, you get a, an, an aged mammal goes into a, a lovely new, new mammal, <laughs> and you know, it completely regenerates. And the, the, the results are absolutely amazing that have been been getting published recently. And so we, you know, as well as looking for NAD molecules, uh, we've also been looking for, for molecules that will actually, um, you know, selectively remove senescent cells. So that's one of the kind of background things we're working on. And then, yeah, there'll always be a pipeline of other things coming through because, you know, that's that's what we do. We find molecules. Uh, we're not the NAD company. Uh, that's just the first thing that we happen to to look at. <laughs> so. Is there any is there anything that you're either what you're researching now or like in the what you're going to research next the senescent cells is there anything that you're stuck on or that you like people listening in that could be helpful I don't know is there like are you looking for people to be a part of the team or are you um, is there basically anything that's sticky that anyone listening could help clean I don't know that's like a horrible analogy but yeah. Um. Well, I mean, the way we kind of work is that our view is that, you know, you know, we've got a particular area of expertise, which is how to find the molecules. But in terms of actually testing them, like we don't have our own labs. Everything we do, we outsource to like specific labs. So, you know, um, for the senescent stuff, we, we get it tested by a lab that specializes in senescence. And um, so there's always going to be opportunities to partner up with labs who specialize in the area of aging that we would happen to be looking at at the time um, so in the future we'd always be you know looking for people to help us test the molecules um, and then I suppose the other thing is like just the kind of general movement of like you know the spreading the word that you know actually aging is something that can you know be slowed reversed and you know how how do we do that in a creative way to get it across to you know society and um, you know just people that actually might benefit from what we're doing? And mm-hmm. um, so I, I kind of put any sort of specific you know job titles or anything on it, but those are the areas that you know we're, we're are, are like key areas that we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Is um is there, are there good ways to follow along with what you're you're working on? I don't, I don't know if you guys have a newsletter. If there is, I should sign up for um, it. So we've got we've got a website. So it's currently kind of it's a bit when you go on it, you you know it's a bit stealthy. Like what exactly are they doing? And um, because it's kind of under development at the moment, but there's an area where you can put your your email address in um, and subscribe to our newsletter, which is going to you know I think we're going to be starting that very soon. So it's going to be you know keep up to date with everything we're doing and uh, the results that are coming out and just general if people are interested in aging and health span you know just some cool facts and you know ways you can what you can do things you can look for things like that so you can go to nuchido.com so that's people don't know how to spell it it's n-u-c-h-i-d-o 
com um, and subscribe there and uh, yeah that's the best way to, to kind of follow us at the moment but then obviously other routes such as you know you can find us on social media yeah and all those links will be in the description for any or in the show notes um so kind of like as a <laughs> yeah it makes it simple but people listen they don't have to look at it they can uh, look up com. but the it's like a fun thing. I like trying to leave it, leave it open-ended. And um, is there anything, any question about the world that you don't have the answer to that like perplexes you? Because then it's like maybe someone could like, like I don't know, like attach onto your your Twitter and be like, oh, that's what I think is the answer. But you know, like you know what I mean? Like what's something, what's something that like would make people think like, oh wow, that is weird. I don't know how that works either. <sighs> Gosh, that's so open-ended. I mean, for me, I I like have these moments every day. So, you know, getting, doing experiments in labs and you always think, right, I'm going to work this out. And then you do a bit of science and you do the experiment and then you get the answer, but then like 10 other questions come up. So then you're always like, oh, how does that work? So it's like, it's like there's never an end in sight. And... I think one thing, I can't think of anything like huge and like world scale, but like one thing that's quite related to all age and stuff that we've been talking about is uh, one question that I really like, you know, if anyone knows a lot more about it, is um, kind of like the whole idea that our bodies are disposable and like we have... um, after a certain point in life, we, the, the cells just don't look after themselves anymore. But in the body, the germline doesn't do that. Mm. It like, you know, it, it just keeps going. And, it, it, you know, it, I mean, it does get mutations in it, but not terribly. So it's like, you know, what? how how could we turn ourselves, like what's turned on in themselves to make them like that? And is there a way that we can, can harness that to kind of, you know, Make ourselves a bit better. The, I asked that. I asked that question to George Church. The, really? Yeah, actually, this I know. I, yeah, like I asked that exact question because, like, I was just like, "Why is it that DNA can exist outside, cannot exist outside the body because of radiation, like just beating the crap out of it and it destroys yeah. it? Yet our germline, besides like random mutations, you know, exactly your question. But I asked him that. Um, yeah, he gave an answer, but I won't give it here now. I'll have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you after the fact, just so more people can like uh, wonder okay. about this. Um, so, uh, just as like a, a funny last question, have you seen the movie The Fountain? No. Oh, it's with Hugh Jackman. It's really great. It's about aging, and they talk about it as a disease. So, if people and it's like it's gut wrenching. My girlfriend, this is like a just like to give a sense of like how emotional it is. Like she like didn't speak for like four days. She was like, "Why'd you make me watch that?" It was like it's like it's like it makes you feel in a good way, not in like a "I hate you" lol. Hopefully, yeah. but um, it's like the guy trying to save his wife from death, and then like it's about anti aging. It's really interesting. I don't know. I, I, if you like, it's like a romance. I would not call it a rom com. It does not end positively. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if uh, for people listening who want to kind of see and ask, it's, I mean Hugh Jackman, like guys, you know, he's pretty great. You played Wolverine. I don't know if you watch movies, but um, <laughs> um, I check I check that movie out. But all right, well, I, I, I that will that's a good like I guess I don't know that's not a good segue. But uh, I, I thank you for coming out, and being on the show today, and being the first YouTube version of it. Like this will be the one that goes on YouTube. So oh, it's a pleasure. No, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed talking with you. Thanks. 
And that was Nicola, CEO and co-founder of Nuchito, a rejuvenation and longevity startup that is doing great things. Remember to follow along with her journey, leave comments, let us know what you think. Other than that, I want to inform people before we go that there is a new way to show support for the podcast and to keep it advertisement free from now until forever, which is called Patreon. If you go to Patreon and look for Learning with Lowell, you'll see this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell was here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends, please and thank you.